And the thing that really, and I've seen South Breeze comment on this um, a few times, I'm a little older than South Breeze, but we're in the same, like, we're all in the same kind of class of age. When Blue's Clues debuted, it was like in 95, 96, maybe late 95. So that would have put me at 10. The show's for three to five-year-olds. <sighs> Welcome, as always, to KTSC Avenue, episode 70. Uh, this is your boy, uh, AC3 Savage, a.k.a. the Tech Messiah. Uh, today is just me solo. Um, the rest of the gang is out, you know, do, on leave of absences, uh, handling business, uh, spending time with their family, while, of course, me, myself, the tech messiah who's usually out, is uh, here filling in. So uh, we got a great show for you today, as always. Uh, we're a double-gated community uh, talking about life, sports, hip-hop, uh, the culture, just everything that goes on in the world. So I kind of just wanted to touch on a few things that have been going on uh, in this week. This is the, today is actually of September the 10th, so we're still in the early part of September. Um, so a few things I've noticed this week uh, starting out. First, I'd just like to um, spend, send a special shout out to uh, Michael K. Williams. I uh, definitely want to give an RIP to uh, him who passed on September uh, the 6th. So we'll take a quick moment of silence for that. All right, now we'll get right back down to business. So when you really think of it, I mean, Michael K. Williams, it's, it's always sad to lose a person, a, a pillar of the community uh, such as him. And uh, it's just really unfortunate that he passed. So I want to touch on a couple of things as it relates to him. Uh, first, if you don't know who Michael K. Williams is, uh, he was Omar Little in The Wire, which is a an excellent series on HBO. Uh, probably a top five series uh, that, that has been around in my lifetime. Like uh, He really did a great job uh, portraying that uh, role as a, you know, basically a homosexual thug in a way. I mean, um, he did what he had to do and he had uh, different demons that he was battling. Not saying that's a demon, but, you know, it, it was a very intriguing show. So uh, if you haven't watched that, be sure to check out The Wire. Um, he also played in another HBO series that was excellent as well. Uh, Lovecraft Country. Um, did an excellent job on that. Um, he played in Bessie. Um, and the other show he played in, uh, Boardwalk Empire. Um, so this is a guy that, you know, he kind of kind of did his thing in the short time that he was here on this earth. Um, you know, he was a little bit over 50 years old when he passed away uh, from a fentanyl overdose, which um, the one thing that I learned from this and just in general is this right here is a penny. I don't know if you guys are watching, you know, or you're listening, but the size of a penny, everybody should know how big a penny is. You can have less than this amount in your system and pass away from a fentanyl overdose. Like that drug is so powerful. <laughs> and the thing is, when I speak of demons, we all, you know, we, we all have our vices. We all have our demons and different things like that. So this is definitely not going to be a podcast uh, throwing any shade or shame on anybody who, who has their vices. Uh, what I will say is 
you have to be really careful nowadays um, with uh, what a lot of these dealers and people are doing uh, with these drugs because, and not saying this is what happened in his case because I don't know, I wasn't there. I don't know him personally. But what you'll have is a race for these drug dealers to have the most potent product that's going to get you hooked the fastest. And if you just ingest, like I said, maybe a half a penny worth, if you can survive it, it's highly addictive. So if you're selling Coke, selling crack, or lacing heroin, heroin, or however you say it, uh, with this drug, if the people survive it, they're going to become even that much more hooked on your drugs, and it'll kind of keep them coming. So that's the, the train of thought behind why a lot of these drug dealers are using it, because if we talk about less than a penny, that's that's not enough for you to cut it and try to replace it. What you're trying to do is get people hooked so they'll keep coming back. The dangerous side of that is it doesn't take very much for people to die from it. And I know if you follow the culture and um, just, just in general, there's been a real opioid epidemic going on in America for the last maybe four to five years. Um, and, and this is one of the main culprits. This thing is stronger than morphine. Um, it's so powerful. And like I said, it, it's super addictive. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I don't know if that is the reason why these drug dealers are starting to cut their drugs and kind of mix that up. But it's definitely sad when you think about somebody losing their life, um, you know, just trying to do their normal thing, whether it's right or wrong, and you get some bad drugs and now you're, you're checked out of here, you know. I think Michael K. Williams, he, he had a lot of things left in him to do and, um, you know, was definitely looking forward to any project that he did because, you know, it just seemed like he picked very compelling, thought-provoking roles that maybe other people wouldn't take those chances on. And he did it in such a level that just seemed so authentic, you know, because he was a very accomplished actor. So he will be missed. Um, you know, if you choose to entangle in those things, um, and that 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 doesn't necessarily go for crack or anything like that, because I remember coming up, like when I first heard of lacing weed, that was when I was fresh out of high school. Um, they used to call them dirties and I knew people that would, you know, smoke the, the weed with the crack. And then, yeah, King Quest, he was a dancer too, man. Like it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Like a lot of these guys, they have a lot of skills, like, you know, but he was, he was a dancer too. He was definitely a, a real thespian, a real artist of the culture and for the culture. But yeah, like I was saying, it, it's just kind of sad that, you know, you have these drug dealers that are trying to make these profits and, you know, they, they don't they don't really care about you. You know what I'm saying? Like if you OD on it, it's really hard to trace it to them. I mean, now luckily and the eerie thing is. He passed away. Almost three years to the day that Mac Miller passed away from the same thing, you know, Mac Miller was only 26. Mac Miller was a was an extremely talented artist. Uh, made a lot of songs. I mean, if you if you really came up 
in the 2010 era, like a lot of people was bumping Mac Miller, like he made a lot of dope songs. And once again, he had his vices, he had his demons. He caught some bad drugs. I mean, I did hear that finally they're they're beginning the process of indicting the people that you know sold him the bad drugs. But you know, this this fentanyl is no joke. Like it it'll, it'll put your ass in the dirt. So you gotta make sure if you're gonna do that type of stuff to make sure that you know your dealer, you know your product well. I wouldn't recommend doing it at all. But like I said, I'm a grown man. Most people that listen are grown. You do whatever makes you happy, but just know what you're doing. Because like I said, it takes about less than a penny's worth will send you to the dirt for good. So, yeah, like I said, it was it was real kind of crazy that it was almost three years to the date that Mac Miller had passed from the same thing. Then there was another um, set of comedians in Hollywood, including another brother. Um, it was three of them, and they were doing coke. With the fentanyl, not saying that they knew that it was in there or not, two passed away, one's in critical condition. You know, I, I, like I said, I don't know if these drug dealers are trying to create a profit or if what I really think it is, is they're trying to get you the drugs to get you extremely hooked and keep coming back for more. But it's costing people their lives because, you know, at the end of the day, a, a drug dealer is not a chemist. You know what I'm saying? They don't, they're going to mix a little bit like, when I used to do my thing, um, you know, sometimes I sack them up fat, you know what I'm saying? Because I want you to come back and get more from me. But regardless of that lifestyle, we're beyond that, you know, we've moved on. So definitely it's been a rough week. Um, like I said, RIP Michael K. Williams, RIP to Mac Miller. Uh, so touching on a lighter subject here, if you don't know, and I guess I was born in 86, so I'm an older brother. Um Michael, or I'm sorry, Stephen Michael Burns, who was the original, whatever the dude name, I guess his name was Steve from Blue's Clues or Doug or some white name, I don't know, made his epic return this past week. And I'm talking about all down the timeline. I see women crying. Uh, I see people getting emotional. You know, this was the closure that I needed in life and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And the thing that really, and I've seen South Breeze comment on this um, a few times, I'm a little older than South Breeze, but we're in the same, like, we're all in the same kind of class of age. When Blue's Clues debuted, it was like in 95, 96, maybe late 95, so that would have put me at 10. The show's for three to five-year-olds. I didn't watch Blue's Clues. The only reason I even heard of it is because I do have a younger cousin that's a 90s baby. And sometimes I would pass by and it would be on. So I'm not going to judge you if you do have some sort of emotional connection. I will say this. I do remember in 02 when Steve left, I do remember hearing about it. But at the time, I was probably like 16. So why would I care? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a, At this point, I'm almost grown. And like I said, I'm not trying to knock anybody or anything like that, but I don't get the connection. But the one thing that I try not to do is judge anybody because um, in the group chat, I was arguing back and forth with the fellas. I was saying, well, hey, we're 80s babies um, and 90s kids. But if you're a 90s baby, you know, Blue's Clues could have been your Sesame Street. Or like I was talking to one of my OGs 
And uh, this was before the Steve thing. And I was saying how, you know, I really liked Power Rangers when I was a kid. Okay, Power Rangers debuted, I was five. And he's a little bit older than me. He's my OG. So, you know, he's a couple of years older. So I was five. He was maybe eight. Maybe he's transitioning out of the cartoon and the silly stuff era and into something else. So he didn't judge me for it because, like I said, I grew up, it was all about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, He-Man, um, the Power Rangers. You know, we had, of course, Sesame Street, Clifford, and, you know, all those shows. But I, I just try not to judge anybody as far as uh, the, the Blue's Clues thing. Like I said, if you're an 80s baby, you might have been a little bit too old to know about it, to be so emotionally distraught by this return. But like I said, I understand people have younger siblings, too. So, you know, maybe you did really like it. I have an extremely, two extremely young siblings. They really like this show called The Wiggles. And I'm sure if one of the members of The Wiggles disappeared or rode out and returned when my siblings were in their 20s or whatever, they'd be like, well, dang, you know, I always kind of wonder what happened with that. Because I think when you kind of get used to certain things, it's kind of weird to see somebody else take over. It's kind of like with the with the Steve Harvey deal and doing the family feud. I remember the original person, even though I wasn't connected to him. But, you know, it's we're not as susceptible to change as what we like to pretend to be sometimes. So, you know, to see that person mysteriously leave, you're five to six years old. You're probably like, well, what the hell happened to this guy? And then it's always going to be, hey, was this guy better than that guy? And, you know, the comparison deal that we do. But um, definitely good. I, I watched the, the the clip of him coming back and kind of saying what he said. Like I said, I wasn't really emotionally connected because I've seen the dude before. And I think if you lie and say you didn't, either you didn't have siblings during that time or little cousins or something, or you're just ultra cap like South Breezes sometimes or even Marcus Sniffles. But at the end of the day, it's a, if it makes it you feel good and you need some closure and this, you know, is some long lost relationship that you felt like you should have had. And now, you know, you're getting that closure of, hey, this is why that person left me. Then it's good. We live in a society now where, you know, we are taught not to talk down upon those types of peoples that do need that closure. So it was definitely good for him to come back. Uh, close the door on the Nickelodeon junior age. And, you know, we'll move forward with that. So another thing I want to touch on today, one of my favorite artists uh, who also passed this week, 25 years ago, um, Tupac Shakur. Uh, yeah, he died 913 and 96. So it has been 25 years to the head. And I'll just tell this story. I'm kind of glad that nobody else is here because I feel like I can finally like uh, express myself, you know, without interruptions. So yeah, Tupac Shakur, um, I was nine years old when he passed away and I was living in California and I didn't even cap. I cried when he died. Like I was really tore up emotionally. You know, he had been shot five times before, took another four and, you know, just knowing Tupac, you just knew he was going to pull through. Um, I used to love his music. I was attached to his music because even at that young age, it was some situations that was going on that I can relate to, um, such as I remember when uh, my mom had first joined the military, uh, Dear Mama had come out 
And, you know, that song used to come on every week on uh, one of the BET countdowns on Friday nights, which I kind of miss that culture, by the way. We'll touch on that later. So it will come on and, you know, you hear the dear mama and, you know, I I miss my mama. So, you know, we um, we got his passing uh, shot four additional times, uh, passed away, lung collapsed. They they thought he was going to pull through. So my question of the week to everybody is, you know, when it comes to Tupac, I feel like nowadays there is a lot of new artists. There's a lot of uh, new sounds. What is your favorite Tupac song of all time? And do you feel as if Tupac is still an all time great? Um, I know sometimes people, they try to detract away from Tupac because he wasn't as great of a lyricist or because of his lifestyle, whether you believed he was a thug or whether he wasn't a thug. Um, But with Tupac, I was always about the message. Like, to be honest, if it was me, keep your head up should be a ghetto anthem, like for life. Like, you know, for, for, and they don't even have to be like ghetto in just the sense, just the anthem of the struggle music, because it talks about a lot of things that were going on during that time period of the early nineties. That's still going on today. Um, you know, the black of the, the berry, the sweet of the juice, you know, the darker the flesh and the deeper the roots. You know, I give a holler to my sister on welfare. Tupac cares and don't nobody else care. So that's one um, that's near and dear to me. Uh, Brenda's got a baby. You know, it, every now and again, we hear some songs that have a similar impact, but just for the time, and even some of the stuff that goes on today, you know, like uh, with the abortion rights and whether you're pro-choice or, you know, just, just however you want or pro-life or just however you want to be. That's a song that still resonates today. And the thing with hip hop is sometimes we don't get that. Like we'll get the, hey, I'm living the party life. Let me get the the lighters up. Let me get my, my Hennessy my Alizé or whatever it is, your drink of choice. And uh, sometimes it's few and far between when we actually hear stuff that we can relate to um, from a day-to-day basis. So those are two songs I really, really like by Tupac. Um, I also feel like, you know, and I got in a debate with somebody on Twitter about this, about All Eyes On Me. I feel like All Eyes On Me is a classic album. Like it's only maybe one or two songs that I'll kind of go past. I could let the whole thing ride, but, you know, it's one where, you know, sometimes you have some songs that are just your favorites, but maybe two songs that I'll skip beyond, but I can let it ride. Uh, It's just a good vibe all the way through. Tupac was a great artist and um, RIP to him. Like I said, it's been 25 years. I can't believe it because it really just seems like maybe it's been 10 years, but you know, time waits for no man. And oftentimes I wonder what type of an impact would he have had if he was still alive? Like, you know, I would hope that he would kind of go back to his roots of music and maybe not, you know, talk all the thug stuff all the time. Because like I said, those are different elements that can sometimes be missing from the rap game. We get it sometimes, but just not as much as often. A lot of times we get the the low pumps and you know, different stuff like that. That's just rap that'll be here today, gone tomorrow. But he was a brother that actually put out songs that 
like I said, are, are ghetto gospels or, you know, life, tra life, life songs for us as black people. So definitely RIP to Tupac. So on a lighter note, um, I'll kind of just end it all in, no, shit, I ain't gonna end it all because I want to survive, but we'll kind of go ahead and get ready to slow this down. I'm gonna talk a little bit about football. Um, some of the top stories, uh, last night, um, we had football is back officially. I don't know why Dallas only ran Dak 11 times. Um, I have Dak on my fantasy team this year. I only did one fantasy team. Uh, normally I do like a minimum of three or four, but I'm trying to wean myself away from it because it's like, if you're doing like five, six, seven, eight, ten, 10, eventually you're going to be going against players that you have on your team. Cause you can't be in the different leagues and always get the same players. So I'm just in one, um, but Dak is my running back. He was my first overall pick, and 11 carries, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, for, for Zeke, I'm sorry, not Dak. For Zeke, and I do have uh, Amari uh, Cooper as well. So it was good to see him get some catches. Um, as far as the Cowboys are concerned, they definitely look pretty good on offense. I don't know what to say about Dan Quinn on defense. Um, you know, as a lot of you who follow this podcast and one of the main people that run the podcast uh, happen to be Atlanta fans, you know the story of their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. Um, yeah, I don't know if Zeke was hurt or not. Like, um, I, I was a little confused about that. I was halfway paying attention to the to the game quest, but I wasn't like 100% focused because – I still have bitter feelings towards Tom Brady. Um, just, I don't think I'll ever be a fan. I respect him as a baller, but I can never really be a fan. At the end of the day, I was rooting for Atlanta to win that Super Bowl. And I feel like Tom Brady's a cheater. But back to the Dan Quinn. So for his defense, you're going to have to have these certain types of players. And his defense is very predicated on basically it's like a you can't put a round peg in a square hole um, and they don't really make adjustments like they need these certain positions. If they have them, that defense will be lights out. I'm a Jaguar fan first. I love the Falcons. That's like my second team. I follow them loosely. Uh, when we had all the pieces that we needed for that Dan Quinn defense, that was 2017. You know, we were ferocious on defense. That was Legion of Boom Seattle defense, you know, um, and I know the Legion of Boom is more so about the DBs and the secondary, but the front seven was actually getting it in and getting getting it done. They had good linebackers, they had good pass rushes all over the field. Um, so it's going to be interesting seeing how long Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy last in Dallas, because I don't care what anybody says, Dallas, they, they're America's team allegedly. They want to see if they can win a title. And I don't think that this combination is going to get them get it done. I don't think Dak Prescott passing the ball 58 times, even though they were all, they were in the game, they could have won it. And the Patriots didn't look, I mean, not the Patriots. I'm so used to Tom Brady being a Patriot. But even though the, Tamp, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't look fantastic, I felt like they should have wiped the floor with Dallas beforehand. But it's going to leave much to be desired. I think as long as Dak is healthy, the Cowboys should be able to win that division with ease because I don't believe in none of those teams. So 
that was the start of football. Um, another thing that I've seen recently, I've seen an interview with Cam Newton uh, basically going over some of the reasons why uh, he felt like he was released from the Patriots, uh, which were, were good. He was kind of deflecting a lot and not taking accountability. And I mean, you know, Cam's a talented player. You know, at the end of the day, if he was that much better, like a lot better than Mac, he probably still would have got the opportunity. But I'm also hearing reports that he didn't know the playbook. And you have a year advantage on a guy. Why are you calling him to, you know, get lessons? But then by the same token, you know, when any new dance move or anything like that, and I don't want to be one of them type of niggas, but just saying how it looks, it makes it look like, hey, you care more about dancing and, and dressing nice and doing these other things other than being a quarterback. Not saying that's true or not. But yeah, Cam in general to me is done. Like I just, I feel like Cam, and, and I'm so sorry you guys can't see what King Quest is uh, typing out, but he's basically saying uh, that shoulder is done, is done or gone for Cam. I kind of feel like the thing with Cam, even when he was at his best before the shoulder injury and every other injury, he still was not that accurate. Like. He'd be okay. I believe, and I'm just spitballing because it's just me. I don't have my notes in front of me, but I believe he was like right around 60%, maybe 62, but he's never been like a super accurate quarterback. He's a quarterback that can, he can thrive in a vertical offense. He can run, he can run you over. That was his thing. So when you start to get older, as we've seen when they did the, um, a few years ago, they did an NFL combine for players that were veterans. And I'm talking about it was guys in there running five flats, five twos, guys that had earlier in their career run four sixes, four fives. Eventually, them injuries, they do add up. You do lose a step. So whereas Cam may have came in the league as a four, five, nine, maybe he's a four, seven guy, a four, eight guy, and he still has a cannon, but now you got that nicked up shoulder. Uh, now you also still don't have the the accuracy that you need. And the Patriots, they don't have any type of receiving talent at all. I mean, they've drafted some guys. I thought Nikhil Harry would be better than what he is. As of right now, he looks like a bust. And the rest of them just look like wide receiver by committee, a bunch of fours and fives. I know they had Marquise Lee at one point. Uh, he's injury prone as heck. I don't even know if he's on the team no more. don't care. But it's truly sad. But I, and, and I see people from Atlanta that like the Falcons that are like, yeah, bring him here. For what? Like at the end of the day, Matt Ryan's extremely accurate. He's not as athletic. And, of course, you guys don't like the pigment of his skin, it seems. But at the end of the day, when it comes to quarterback. Oh, sorry about that. I deleted myself from the damn stream. I'm tripping. But um, anyway, so, yeah, don't bring Cam Newton in. Like I said, I kind of feel like Cam Newton is probably done in the league unless there's like an emergency situation where someone gets hurt. Nobody's going to bring him in. I don't think he has the personality uh, to be a backup quarterback because I think that he's such a lightning bolt of an individual, which is great for him. You know, like I think Cam – is going to be successful outside of football. I don't know if he would like to be a commentator or an analyst, but he probably could be. He could do podcasting. He could, you know, get into films. He, he could do whatever. Like, the sky's the limit for Cam. He's a really nice dude. I've actually 
been around him since I live in Carolina before. Really nice dude, really respectable dude. But as far as quarterbacking in the NFL, I kind of feel like Cam is done. So the next thing that we will talk about uh, on my end, my boys are going to Houston. You know, I'm a Jaguar fan, as y'all all know, been one since 2002. Um, so I'm not going to talk about the, the Jaguars themselves, but what I'm a little bit confused about is Tyrod Taylor is starting for Houston. And in case you guys have not been following, um, Houston is where Deshaun Watson plays. Deshaun Watson has 22 allegations of not rape, sexual assault against him. I'm trying to read up on who, who is. Okay, I don't know who wholesome granny is, but assalamu alaikum, my sister. Thank you for that uh, piece. So, like I was saying, when I look at it, um, you look at a person like a Deshaun Watson and he has a lot of allegations against him and I'm not going one way or the other because I wasn't there in any of those parlors. And that is a lot of allegations, regardless if it's true or false. I just wish that a decision would be made whether or whether or not he's playing instead of just having this like kind of weird elephant in the room almost where it's like, well, yeah, he's kind of a healthy scratch because we don't really know what's going on, and he doesn't want to be here because nowhere on God green earth is Tyrod Taylor as talented as Deshaun Watson. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think the Texans are a terrible team. Um, Jaguars are not very good either. So we could win this game. We could lose this game. Uh, for a lot of our fans, like I said, uh, a lot of our friends and family and fans out there, Falcons fans, uh, you guys got the Eagles coming up first. That's going to be an intriguing matchup. Um, I'm excited to see what Kyle Pitts is going to be able to do. I'm excited for Matt Ryan in a system where he may or may not be familiar with the verbiage already. I believe he is. Uh, I'm excited for Calvin Ridley. I'm excited for these new running backs. I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, my prediction is I do feel like Atlanta is going to beat – um, the Eagles. I think it's going to be 27-24. I feel like the Eagles, not as good as they once were. I feel like Atlanta, still not a very good team, but they should be together enough to pull this off. So that'll be an interesting this one this week. Like I said, I feel like it'll be close. I feel like Atlanta gets the edge. And yeah, that's pretty much it for like my football stuff. Like I said, I apologize. I don't have the full list of what's going on because I'm really just shooting something uh, from the hip here. So um, yeah, and I'm at 30 minutes, so I will pretty much wrap it up. I just want to thank you guys for stopping in and spending the spending your 30 minutes with me, uh, AC3 Savage, aka the Tech Messiah, uh, by myself. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, King Quest as always for coming through, showing love in the chat, man. Definitely appreciate it. I uh, want to give a shout out, of course, to uh, South Breeze 706. Y'all know where to follow him. Uh, straight up the Dirty Bird himself. I want to give a shout out to the big homie of the podcast, Marcus Sniffles. want to give a shout out to the first lady of the podcast, El Chapa. Um, and uh, everybody and anybody else, uh, y'all make sure y'all check out this week's episode that is going on now. I want to give a special shout out to the homie Lowski Woski 89 
Uh, and of course, the the other queen herself, uh, Itch Tribbles. Uh, make sure y'all follow her at the Ox DJs for your playlist needs and everything else that you need musically. And if you're in, around the scene or where we're at, you can actually check her out DJing, doing her thing. Hey, when you DJing, make sure you shoot your boy some tickets. You know what I'm saying? We live, you know, like live like 10 miles from one another. I'll come through and show some love. I'll shake my beard up. You know how we do. Anyway, I just want to thank y'all for always showing support. This is KTSC Avenue episode 70 and your boy C3 Savage is out. Go Jaguar.